Back in on Canuck Central, it's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. This hour of Canuck Central brought to you by Brevo. Brevo provides convenient cloud-based access control systems from your mobile device for any industry. Go to lp.brevo.com slash Canada for a smart demonstration. Joining us uh, every Tuesday here on Canuck Central, it's Irfan Gaffar, Canucks Insider. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, my friends. How are you guys? Uh, we're, we're pretty good. Um, I'm, I'm hoping, uh, for, for my sake that, uh, the new year is better to, uh, Manchester United and Chelsea. So I have, uh, happier friends around town. Oh, I'm not going to have, oh, it's fine, dude. I just, I enjoy having heart palpitations while I watch my team play. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was telling hey, Reach. Top, top five club in the world. Okay. Yes. I'm just telling you. I was telling Reach in the break, uh, you know, soccer is great because you win a few in a row. And the next thing you know, like, you know, you shoot up the standings a little bit. You feel a lot better. Like Chelsea's won two uh, league games in a row. So I feel a lot better going to the Caribou Cup semifinals. So uh, I feel pretty good about the new year. And especially with the Browns uh, clinching a playoff spot, unlike the Seahawks, I feel extra good. Why? <laughs> I'm having such a good start to the new year. Why? Well, why? Why? Uh, Joe Flacco's elite after all, hey? Yeah, he, he is right now. Yeah, he that, is. That, boy, he's playing unbelievable. That defense is, on, like, I mean, Baltimore's defense is good, but your defense all year has been mm-hmm. wild. Scar- um, scary. It's been good. crazy. Yeah. Should be a, an interesting final week of the NFL season. Seahawks no longer hold their own destiny yeah. after losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ravens are very good, though. Like mm-hmm. they, they probably are the best team in the NFL right now. Yeah. They're insane. Yeah. They, they, uh, they made it look like it against the yeah. Miami Dolphins uh, yesterday. I, I, I'm kind of like workshopping a, a little bit of a take that the Canucks are the Miami Dolphins of the NHL, where like they can beat up teams that are kind of similar to them in talent-wise, but when they step up a level, they, they tend to have a little bit more trouble. Agree or disagree? Who's Tua? Who's Tua? <laughs> Hope you're gonna make that. Who's Tua? Who's Tua? That's tough because he's like I guess uh, he's he's Andre Kuzmenko because he could be uh, he could be pretty good some days and not so good other days. That's <laughs> fair. Fair, fair. But um, you know. I, I, it feels weird with the Canucks because they, they lost like the one game they've had in the last 10 days. So there, there feels like there's like a, a sort of a negative tone when people talk about the Canucks right now. And yet they're 23, 10 and three on the season. People like there it's, it, it is strange how we still live with every loss and, and maybe wonder like, Oh, is, is the shoe going to drop now? They, they lost a game. Here comes a, here comes a losing streak. Have they not earned themselves a benefit of the doubt that, uh, they are who their record says they are to a certain extent at this point in the well, season. They definitely, well, they definitely are who, were they, who we thought they were. Mm-hmm. That's yes. definitely one. They aren't who we, we thought they were. They aren't who we thought they were. But, uh, no, I think when you look at this team, I think that where they are now in the standings, the criticism, if you want to be a top dog, is warranted. Like, if you lose a bad game – and you're giving up goals, four goals, three goals, three goals. You have to talk about it if you're a top team in the NHL. Because if they were, you know, halfway in the standings or maybe even a third of the way to the bottom, we probably wouldn't be talking about it that much. And I think that when you're, when you're the top dog, you're going to get the opposing team's best game night in and night out. And the results matter. I mean, look, the Vancouver Canucks have definitely gifted themselves um, plenty of wins in the bank. You know, they've got a lot of them stuck up in the Tupperware on the top shelf for, for days on end. A lot of leftover wins that, that the Vancouver Canucks team can have here over the course of the next uh, few months of the regular season. But I think the, 
criticism is warranted because they're playing so well. And, and I think that if you're them, you probably don't like hearing the questions, but it's a good thing because that means you've done something right. And, you know, the, the thing, too, about, like, how things have gone and how people feel about the team, and obviously, you know, people have to be convinced in the playoffs as well, and that's ultimately what, what has people really buying in over a number of years, and hopefully that happens this year. But in terms of even how the team is viewed internally like I don't think they're looking at and saying man like finished we have a finished article here we feel really good about where we're at we're ahead of schedule and uh, let's go I I think it's still very much hey are they for real and what else can we do to improve this team like I think every day it's still very much what can we do to make this team better as opposed to looking at this and feeling satisfied well 100% I mean look they're not going to play this game go to New York and go on Broadway watch a ballet show or do whatever you know this team is willing and needs to keep the foot on the on the pedal here right and, and I think that that mindset within the organization is there I, I definitely don't think they're satisfied I think the improvement of the team is going to come via trade at some point here I think you're going to see the Canucks um, make a move whether it's you know up front or on the back end I, I definitely think that you know there's something there and, and I think that when you look at it guys we talked about it so much when this team started playing well it's to reward them for playing well it's to reward them to try and maybe make a run here if you really do believe that you can compete with some of these big dogs look they haven't played la yet they haven't played the vegas needs to play they need to play vegas three more times you're playing colorado again you're going to new york you're going on this really long trip here um coming up so you're going to be you're going to learn a lot about yourself in very short order there's a lot of hockey that's left to be played but where the canucks find themselves right now i think they can be satisfied with what with what they've done but you still need to push towards you know, a, a greater goal. Well, I feel like the, the organization should have a pretty good idea of what this team is now and where they need to, to make some of those improvements. And given the track record they have of Jim Rutherford and, and Patrick Alvin, why would we expect anything other than they're constantly working to, to find a trade? Because that's all they've done literally since they took the job, right? Since Patrick Alvin is in, he's tr- made more trades than any other GM in the National Hockey League. I, I wouldn't expect anything different from this front office. No. And look, I, I think that that's if you're a Canucks fan and you're listening to us right now and, you know, talking about this, it's a positive thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to improve your team. And I get that there's, you know, a portion of the fan base that says, well, we don't just want to get into the playoffs and, you know, win around. Well, you know what? Once you get into the playoffs, you might be able to win a round or two. If you really do believe that and you think you can do it with this team, go ahead and do it. And I think that, they kind of believe that in the front office. Now, whether we do here, us to be talking about it, obviously remains to be seen. But I think their belief is we get in, we improve a little bit here, mm-hmm. whether it's a bottom six forward or maybe get a top six guy, maybe one or one guy on the back end, we can play with anybody in a seven-game series. And I really do think that they believe that. And good for them because they've definitely proved us a lot of us wrong, um, not just here but in hockey circles around North America, of what this team can be. Yeah, and the the other part of it too that I think is is pretty apparent is they they know who uh, can be replaced and they know who can't be replaced um, oh, yeah. on the roster, right? Like they they have a pretty pretty good idea of who are the guys that make this team go and who aren't the guys that make this team go, and that that should sort of tell us like you know what they'd be maybe willing to do. As much as Hoaglander's had a good season, you know, Sat and I have talked about like. It's not like they wouldn't be willing to trade him if the right fit came along, right? Garland is playing a lot better. Still wouldn't be opposed to trading him if the right fit came along. Andre Kuzmenko, same thing. Like 
all of those guys, you know, I think they're, they're more of the replaceable types on this roster. And I think this organization knows that. Well, hundred percent. I mean, look, the story's great with the Joshua Bluger and, and, and Garland line, but if you're telling me that someone wants Connor Garland for to, to a take that money off the books and, and, and B that, you know, to, you can improve your hockey team, whether it might not be now or to do another move, as we always talk mm-hmm. about, if you get a pick and turn that into something, that's not something that they're going to look at. You're crazy because they, because they definitely will. Um, we talk about untouchables on this roster. Obviously, there are probably a couple. But beyond that, um, if I'm Patrick Alvin and, you know, I'm having conversations with Jim Rutherford and even, you know, Rick Talkett, if I want to improve this hockey team, you know, there, there's really nobody on there that we say that, you know, can't, can't, can't be moved other than, you know, maybe Demko, um, Pedersen, Hughes, and, and Brock for that matter. And we know that they set prices on their guys and they're going to move on if they're not going to, you know, be able to sign them for the numbers that they want. And, and then we spoke last week about guys like Philip Peronik and uh, Nikita Zadorov and, you know, how, hey, they would love to keep them, but it has to be at the right price. And when you look at a number of other guys they have who are UFAs, I think the same thing goes. So not to say that they're, they're going to go out there and trade Teddy Bluger or Sam Lafferty or whatever, but that whole idea of you're trying to get better now and into the future. And if that's the case, you're open to a lot of different possibilities. And when your team is playing as well as it is and to have a number of players have increased their value you may have some creative opportunities in front of you so, so i'm i'm really interested Irv, to see how creative they might get and how, how much 3d chess they may have to play to make the moves yeah. they want to make well i think they've got options for kuzmenko right now um what and then when you look at garland and, and other names that you just mentioned i think it's a little bit quieter around that front i think over christmas and that you know during maybe not during the roster freeze but i think there's there's more conversations surrounding kuzmenko uh, a little bit. So we'll see what happens here in the next, you know, week or, or, or a couple of weeks, if anything, obviously moves from that. But um, I agree, man. I, I think that, you know, I- improving not only for this season to, to reward your team, but being able to, if you can make a move to maneuver and, and, and try and do something that improves your team for next year and the year after, because your windows, it's getting, it's, it's going to get smaller every day that this hockey season goes on and every year that goes on with these, with the way the contracts are. And the way that, you know, uh, players are, are, are getting older, right? So your core is here. Your core is under contract. Um, why not go? You have to go and try and make a move for it. Well, the one player not under contract is going to be a constant storyline here in, uh, in the new year. I know we, we, we've talked about Patterson quite a bit, uh, but... Um, you know, a while ago, you mentioned you know you wouldn't expect anything to really pick up until the new year and headed towards the All Star break. Is that still your sense of the situation with Elias Pettersson? A little bit. I, I think things have started to pick up a little bit um, from both sides. Now, look, I, I you know, reporting. Uh, I think that the, you know the Canucks and his camp have talked. Um, whether there was an offer thrown his way, and obviously. He, they didn't like it or whatever that obviously we, we don't know those conversations, but they, they definitely did talk. Um, now it's up to Elias Pettersson and, and, and I think, and, and his camp as to what he wants to do. I think the Canucks are satisfied with whatever the ask may be. And I think they believe that what they tabled or if they've tabled or wanted and talked about is plenty of money for Elias Pettersson to, you know, re-sign as a Vancouver Canuck. Now I think it's going to be completely on Elias Pettersson. And we, and we talked about this last week and the week before. There's only one person that really knows what he wants to do, mm-hmm. and that's 40. Yeah. Right? So whether it's not going to be his agent, it's going to be up to him. So if it's money, 
I definitely think the Canucks are more than happy to, to, to match it. I really do think that this is term and fit. Now, whether it's three or four years or whether it's one of the long-term things, that's where I think this one gets a little bit tricky. Yeah, I mean, just viewing it from the outside, I think the team would love to get him signed to a long-term deal, right? As many years as possible, and they have that certainty over a longer stretch of time. But at the same time, you want to use what you have right now because there's no urgency. Yeah, sure, you want to sign him, of course, but you don't have to get him signed today. You don't have to get him signed by the deadline because he still has you know, another year of control beyond this. So you probably use your time right now to do everything possible to try to get as much term as possible, but maybe they just settle in at some point here, maybe closer to the deadline, maybe afterwards, where he ends up signing a shorter-term deal. Like, Could he be trying to line himself up with Quinn Hughes, who has three more years left? That's what I think. To be honest, like uh, that, that's where I think his head's at, is he wants to line himself up with, with you. So that probably makes the most sense, right? Well, it, it makes the most sense for him. I don't know if it makes sense for the team. But they'll sign well, whatever you give him. him. Yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, uh, but at what point are you doing stuff for the team? Like, you're going to get your bag. Uh, you yeah. got to go get it. Like, I, I, I understand and hometown discounts and things like this, and you got to be a good person, and you got to do this, you got to do that. No, you don't. You got to go get your money. And you got to be happy where you're playing. Like I'm totally on the the athlete side when it comes to this, yeah. And and going about getting your contract. Like I I love seeing guys get paid. Ethan Bear, good for you. Wasn't gonna happen here, right? Good, go get your money. Felix Pedersen, it's you also want to be happy in your situation. And I think that when it comes to it, like if you're not if you're not w- ready and willing to sign a long term long term contract here. We said it before. If he was, the contract would have been signed. Mm-hmm. Well, the longer I- we go, the longer we talk about this the more difficult the questions are going to have to be asked really, especially as to what's going on. Well, of course, right? And and I think when you look at the number, if, if it, let's, let's just for argument's sake, let's just explore what a three-year deal could look like because Kiprios today was mentioning that, you know, something with Nylander of eight years might be 11.25 or so or more, and we'll see ultimately what happens. But the number seems to be 11, perhaps, on, on Willie Nylander. Uh, do, does yeah. let, does yeah, Pedersen and, get 11 over three? Like, do you still... do? You, does he get that, or is it slightly less? He's making ten point two five this year. So even on a yeah. three-year deal, I don't think he's he wants to sign for less than what he's making this year, right? Ten point two five. No, of course not. So no. what? It's like I think what I think the the minimum would be ten point five, eleven yeah. over three. Eleven. I mean, uh, Nylander gets eleven, and Nylander's probably AAV is going to come in north of eleven. Eleven one, eleven two, right around there. I, that's what I think happens. I think if you're the Canucks and you can get him at eleven over three, um. It's probably you. You'd probably be happy to do that, but his ask is going to be higher. He's a center, yeah, right. His his ask might yeah. be twelve over well, three. Uh, Austin Matthews didn't really, uh, you know, he didn't really trade in any AAV for you know for no. for term, right? But he signed a four year deal, three years. But he signed a four year deal, right? Yeah. But the thing about Austin Matthews is, like, I mean, I get it. He, he's made a lot of money playing hockey and doing hockey things, but like. Austin Matthews has also made a lot of money on, on the outside. I think a guy like Elias Pedersen is not really making as much money as he is on outside of hockey. So you're going to want to cash in here yeah. and be able to, 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 to make that. I mean, this is probably not your big contract, but it's leading up to what could be your biggest. Yeah. It is, you know, and I think the team has been uh, sort of pretty open about the, the situation too, right? Like Jim Rutherford on yeah. on our show and on all the shows he's done, he basically has rolled out the red carpet. It's like whenever you're ready, we're we're ready to do this. And uh, as... well, you want to know uh, you want to know why? It's because I, I I think that they're completely comfortable with what they put forward. Yeah, 
right? Now the ball's in his court. They know it's a, f- a fair offer, essentially. Oh, yeah, exactly. They're in the they're in the ballpark of what Elias Pettersson is worth. Like we understand this is going to be one of the most expensive players in the league when all is said and done. It's just it's going to come down to term and. You know what? It, it kind of reminds me of you know how Rick Tockett talks about things. Uh, you know, uh, we want guys to be uncomfortable. Like, sure, it's it's uncomfortable if you don't get Elias Pettersson onto a, a longer term deal than than three years. But this might be more of the reality moving forward in the NHL, where star players are like, I want to be able to control my destiny. I want to be able to uh, know if my team is going to be in a winning scenario when I'm coming up for a new contract, sort of thing and not lock into something that I'm not sure what I want my life to be like five, six, seven years down the road. Yeah. Like, I think we've talked, we talked about this in the summer yeah. when we had conversations about 40 and said, basically what's it going to take for him to sign long-term. We talked about stability in the organization. seems like it's kind of there. If not getting there pretty good, you got a coach that, you know, it's going to be there. You got general manager, you got president of hockey ops. You've got, you know, you've got your core group of players. Now it's, what are you doing to help us win? Well, you go and make trades. You get a really good backup goalie. You know, you, you make trades for guys like Sam Lafferty and, and, and things like that. You sign Blue, you sign this, you sign Ian Cole. So there's definitely things that are there that would try and entice a player if you're wanting him to stay long-term. If, if it's organizational as to what his reason is, as he doesn't want to stay long-term, well, they've definitely done enough for him to do it, right? And, and I feel like the money is going to get the money no matter what. It's just about the term. Yeah, the term is uh, it's going to be the the big question moving forward for uh, for Elias Pettersson. We'll see what happens in the next uh, little while. Irf, we appreciate it uh, as always. Thanks for this. All right, gentlemen, be well. Uh, there is uh, Irf Von Gaffar, Canucks Insider, joining us here on uh, Canucks Central. And uh, I know the text box has not been very kind to Elias Pettersson lately. No, no, we still see people talking about uh, how get rid of Pettersson. Others saying uh, if he wants eleven million, uh, give him that and then trade him for Bedard. I don't think that's happening. <laughs> uh, somebody says he wants more than Pasternak. They're laughing at it. Uh, this one says uh, he's not worth twelve million. I mean, so there, there's a lot of that, uh, but obviously a lot of fans are still support and like Pettersson. It's just there's been a far more criticism of him this year than there was last year. And yeah, he's not scoring at the same pace he was last season, but he's still putting up a lot of points. I mean, he's not struggling the way he was a couple of years ago where, no. you know, he was, you know, he really looked like he, he didn't belong on a top line. But right now, even with those struggles, he's still putting up points. It's not like he's not, but there has been a bit of a shift in terms of expectations. And the fact that his contract has not yet been signed, the perception of that fans have, whether it's fair or unfair, is one of, hey, does this guy really want to be here or not? And if he wants to be here and wants all this money, then he better play better than he is right now. And I think there's a lot of that going on as well. I just hope they get the deal done and over with. And, yeah. you know, we just kind of move forward with it because it, it's getting to a point sometimes where the Canucks win and people are just mad at Patterson for falling down two or three times. Yeah. If William Nylander does sign 11 plus million dollars, it's going to be hard to keep Pedersen's number. He's a he's a center, and he scored more than like the most points William Nylander has had in a season doesn't match Pedersen. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, this year he's going to have a big year. Nylander is right, like forty eight points, but he's never hit ninety points before. He's hit forty goals, something Pedersen hasn't done. So that's something he's done a bit more of. Yeah. But overall points playing center, I mean, I can see how Vancouver views Pedersen as more the Pasternak type, and also people don't even think that. But eleven, eleven two five potentially, as opposed to the twelve to thirteen million. Yeah, maybe some people view it as. Uh, so if you uh, miss that with Irfan Gaffar essentially saying, uh, 
discussions have started, and it's more about figuring out what the term could look like for Elias Patterson and a new contract with the Vancouver Canucks. I, I would expect, you know, things to sort of heat up. I know Patterson sort of um, mentioned how maybe the end of the, at the start of the year that the, he'd like to sit and wait and talk about it at the end of the year. We'll see what happens because I do think for the team, uh, it probably does help. And Jim Rutherford alluded to this when he spoke with us, it would help to understand what it's going to look like cap wise for the next few years. So that way, when you're going and making a deal around deadline time, you know what you can acquire, what makes sense to acquire, all of those things. And it, it would just help to have Pedersen's number done and dusted so that you can start to project out the cap over the next couple of years. Yeah, and just kind of move forward with it. And even on the player side, get it done, just focus on as much as you can say you're not thinking about it. How can it not be in the back of your mind to some degree? Yeah, it it has to be a big part of uh, of the conversation. Um I didn't know we had so many Pedersen haters on uh, the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Yeah, it, it's and again, it's been a lot more of that recently. Even as we start talking about this, a, a number of texts come in, and but people are even asking about, um, you know, uh, what would it take for the Canucks to get Bedard? And, and but I mean, that stuff's not going to happen. Like it's just you're not going to be able to you're trade. You're not Patterson. trading for Connor Bedard. They're He's not 18 years old and it's one of the best five-on-five scorers in the NHL already. You're not, not trading for Connor Bedard. It's not happening. They're not trading Connor Bedard. Like that's not. And here's the the thing about when it comes to trading these types of guys. If people can talk about, hey, go out and trade him. What you're facing is either you make the type of trade Calgary did, and I'm not saying go and re-sign Huberto and McKenzie Weaker, but you can perhaps get a couple of players that are high end. Mm-hmm. But maybe a bit older, you might have to pay a little bit of money too. There's risk when it comes to who you're acquiring, but they're not superstars. No. And do you want to saddle yourself with the risk of doing that, which doesn't seem you know great? And if you're talking about picks and prospects, look at the Jack Eichel trade. Yeah. Now maybe because of Pedersen uh, and uh, him being a bit younger, um, and at the very least not having the same injury issues, that it's not the same situation perhaps. I mean, you could expect to get a little bit more even. Maybe, but what are you, what are you talking about? Was Alex Tuck's a fir- uh, Alex Tuck a first round pick on a very team friendly deal? Yeah, and Peyton Krebs and Tuck's been great. Pey- yeah. Peyton Krebs is nothing. The first round pick hasn't really you know panned out. So it's like for Alex Tuck and Alex Tuck's really good, but is he Jack Eichel? No. So like you're not coming ahead, coming out ahead. Yeah. And if you're getting, I mean, people say, what about an offer sheet? And somebody, yeah, perhaps. And the best case scenario would be, I guess, somebody signs them this massive offer sheet, and you get four first round picks. But those four, four first round picks depends on what team it is. Are they going to be high picks? What if they're picks in the twenties? Yeah. Like how? What is that going to do for your team? Generally, if you're trading a player to a contender, that pick is going to be in the twenties, and those aren't the most valuable first round picks. No, so I mean, you're you're probably not getting a player of his caliber back, and you're probably not getting a draft pick that's going to yield you that player anyways. It's like what I said, uh, like we talked about with Earth. This organization understands who their replaceable players are and who their irreplaceable players are, uh, or who the players are that are more difficult to replace, and we all know who they are. It's very obvious. Elias Pettersson is one of those guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and 100%. Somebody, I think Mike is texting in and saying, people aren't EP haters. Um, if media fawn over him and our fanboys. No, I mean, there's a difference between saying, hey, he's worth $10 million or $11 million, And there's a difference between people saying, um, like, he sucks. Yes. And other things. I mean, those are the things we're talking about. This one says $12 million to fall down three to four times a shift. Like, give me a break. Um, if Pedersen signs, it's going to be the worst signing in club history. Bank it. I mean, these are the text messages we're referring to. We don't yes. even read all of these, but that's the level of frustration. And yeah, I mean, you can have 
legitimate uh, criticism. I mean, Pedersen hasn't played his best the last little bit. No, he has not. He hasn't. I think it's fair to talk about his game not being at the level you expect it to be. But him not being at the level you expect him to be has still been productive, right? Like, he he can't be better, but we're not talking about a guy who's who has been under a point per game the past 12, 13 games. No. You know, he's still productive in that standpoint. He can be a lot better, though. And I think it's fair to wonder, if you sign him to a contract worth $11, 12000000 is he truly going to be able to live up to it? Is he more of a $9, $10 million player when you really think about it? Will he score enough goals and get to the 40-goal mark for to really be worth that type of money? All fair questions. We can have that discussion. There's a difference between having that discussion about his real value as opposed to saying, hey, if they sign him, it's going to be the worst contract in team history. Yeah, you know... And you can compare, if you want, to Jack Eichel or, or Matt Barzal or whomever these other guys are. They signed those contracts a couple of years ago now. Uh, long time ago now for uh, Jack Eichel especially. So a little bit unfair to point at those numbers and relate it to Elias Pettersson, who is coming up for a new deal when the salary cap is about to really increase as well in the National Hockey League this summer. Uh, Dan Richo, Satyar Shah, you are listening to Canuck Central.